Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Building your high-performing team. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, in studio with Whit Mitchell. He is an executive coach and team dynamics specialist. He uses a methodology called Inner Circle Coaching, and Whit blends one-on-one coaching, web-based behavior tools, and team accountability to create high-performing leaders. He's on faculty with the Complete Leader Program, part of the Price Associates team, and the author of Working in Sync. Wit, as always, great to be with you today. Oh, Dale, great to return to Boise, Idaho. I'm from New Hampshire, where we've already had the primaries, and I guess you're going to have one tomorrow. So tell us about um, about the business, what you do, and what keeps you coming back for more. I work with leaders to help them identify the barriers that get in their way of doing great work. And once we uncover those barriers, we come up with some strategies to how to move them and their organization forward to create cultural change and results. Cultural change. What uh, What's most invigorating to you about seeing culture change in, a, in an organization? Seeing the people at the top create relationships that are more open, more honest, and more um, forthright in how they work together. And what happens is those behaviors, those changes, those cultural shifts start to drip down or cascade throughout the organization. So if we can get people at the top to change first, the people down below will follow. What I sometimes see is people at the, at the midway down want change at the top, so they're lighting the, the uh, kindling underneath and the heat starts to move up. So if um, followers lead, leaders will follow. Okay, so our topic today, building high-performing teams, building your high-performing team, I should say, what are those ingredients that you see really make a high-performing team? And, and so we get away from the generalities. I think everybody probably has a picture in their head of what a high-performing team is, but define it for us specifically and what and those ingredients. High-performing team has a couple of ingredients. The first and most essential is that the individuals, we're talking about individuals of a team, need to understand, appreciate their own awareness of how they impact other people. So self-awareness is the first ingredient in the pot of stew. The second ingredient, once you understand more about your behaviors and how they impact others, the second ingredient is, so now that I understand myself better, what can I do to understand more about the other people that I work with? What are their behaviors? What are their dynamics? How do they want to communicate with me? How can we collaborate as partners more often and get more out of our interactions than we're getting today. So the first ingredient, self-awareness. The second ingredient is understanding and appreciating the differences of the team. I'm going to say other awareness. Yeah, other awareness. That's right. So let's break down and dissect this concept of self-awareness. What are some tools that a person can use to start becoming more self-aware so that they can, with, with the end goal, you start with the end in mind, the end goal is to be part of a high-performing team. So 
What are those what are those basic break it down for us? How do we get to be more self-aware? Dale, there are and, and there have been for the last maybe five or ten years new instruments that have come into the marketplace, psychometrics, that help identify a person's behavioral, I'm gonna say template or footprint. It's called a disc instrument. There are many out there. I've gone with that because it gives it's very simple, it's very reliable and valid, and it gives practical ways in which you can start to understand the behaviors that exist in you, because you've filled it out, you've taken the picture of yourself, and how those behaviors impact others who you're working with. So that's the first one. So well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right there, because uh, as the host, it's my job to think like the listener who might not be familiar with a DISC assessment and is probably playing a narrative in their head, oh, you're talking about a personality assessment. So people use the word personality. I'm going to change that word, cross it out, and use behavior. We can observe behavior. I don't know what personality really means in my world, but we say, oh, have you changed the person's personality? Personality, I think, is made up of a number of things. Behavior is very specific. When you're yelling at somebody, that's a behavior that's unattractive. The impact is great, is great, is, is great in that it really impacts people in a negative way. When you're listening, listening with empathy, listening from your heart, that's another behavior that really helps bring people and connect people better together. So this particular instrument gives you some idea of the intensity of four different behavioral styles and where you fit, what your template looks like. People that take it are amazed at what we can give them and how accurate those instruments are. So now we have a base or a foundation with which to begin our process of self-awareness. So a listener goes out, they find the DISC assessment, they they go through that process, answer the questions online, take the DISC assessment, it comes back. What do they do with the information? Well, they need somebody to help them interpret it. They can certainly read it and go, that's very good. But it's like looking at a Julia Child's cookbook. Well, that looks like a great stew, but boy, there's a lot more to it. I wish Julia were here. So hiring a coach, an HR person, somebody that's educated and certified in interpreting your results and being able to deliver them in a way in which you can understand what the results are and the practical ways in which you can use those to improve the relationships that you have at work. All right, so self-awareness, um, DISC assessment. What are some other tools, other things that peop- a person could do to become more self-aware? Well, again, we have, another t- uh, we have four tools that we put together when we are assessing a candidate for a position within an organization. I use the four to help identify top performers within an organization, and I also use it for coaching. We have a 92% accuracy rate on finding, picking, identifying top performers. So let me just give you an example of one other of the four. It's called the workplace motivators or driving forces. What are your passions, your interests? And once we understand that hierarchy, we would I work with executives to help them identify their direct reports and what really their what their passions are at work. So if somebody has a great passion for learning, you would want to make sure that that person in their job had every opportunity at research and learning and webinars and books and watch how they blossom when you start to incorporate that into the job that you've identified for them. And now let's move on to other awareness. What are some tools or some practices that a person could rely upon to become more aware of others around them? I come up with five or six questions that I encourage people to go and ask the people that they work with. 
So can you help me understand and identify what I do in our partnership, our working relationship that's really working well for you? What do I do in my communication that's really working well for you? And what do I do in my communication with you that shuts you down? Because I can watch your body language and see when I speak this way, something gets between us and I'm unaware of it. So could you help me understand what I could do differently to communicate more effectively with you? So those are basically three questions that I just heard you you pose. So what works well for you generally? What works well specifically when it comes to communication? And then what kind, how do I shut you down? Yeah, what, what when kind of behaviors I, shut you down? I see you shutting down. I'm unaware. What did I just do? How did I come across? Let me give you some statistics to help identify something that most people don't know. It's been run over and over again, this piece of research from the 60s. 55% of what listeners believe have to do with our body language, how we stand, how we hold our hands, our facial expressions. So you can give off a lot of information in your body language to others. 38% has to do with the tone. Good morning, Dale. Good morning, Dale. There are two different people you're dealing with. So tone, same words. And words only make up 7% of what the listener believes walking away. So therefore, really important. But to ask those questions. I'm going to the place where uh, somebody just listening to this podcast, it, it cannot be a paradigm shift in behavior. Uh, because if I if I walk up to you and the, the relationship has been tenuous, to say the least, in our workplace, and I start asking these kind of questions, you're going to be a bit suspicious of me. So this really requires that I, I lay some groundwork and I and I create a space where it's safe for people to for, for me to ask questions like this yeah yes it does how, how have you helped people lay that kind of groundwork what are some tools that they can put in place well some of the tools i've already described a 360 survey gives you some information from all sorts of people anonymously uh, I think I, I want to go back to what you said. You have got to make it safe for people to give you clear, specific feedback that will have an impact. So safe is talking about how do I build a wall of trust that's very strong and secure that can't be knocked down when a brick falls off. Building trust takes time. It takes commitment. It takes doing what you say you're going to do and... Uh, I think that's the number one building block to building a stronger relationship. I sometimes, Dale, and I have in the past, taken uh, executive teams off-site for two or three days and gotten them out of their environment. There's a second workshop that goes on when you take your team off-site. It's the workshop that happens during dinner or drinks after dinner or the walk before breakfast in the morning. All of those kind of interactions outside of the office begin to lower the barriers and begin to raise the the feeling and the uh, the trust factor. And I think you've got to start there, and it takes time. Takes time and uh, intention, correct? Time and intention and commitment. I want to get this relationship better. So going to somebody and say, I know it's not working. I want to do something that's going to help us get better. Uh, I'd like some feedback on what I could do. And if it's not safe, let's figure out some way that we can start to build our relationship. I encourage, I had worked with this guy who was a big real estate. He was in charge of a big real estate company. I said, take one person a week out to lunch and do not talk about business. Use something called form, F-O-R-M. Talk about their family. Ask them about their family. The O is organization. 
or occupation. How did you get into this line of work? Tell me about your college. R is recreation. What do you do when you're not working so hard? And M is mission or what really matters most. Great little thing to remember, that acronym. Gets people talking and starts to lower their barriers and build the feeling of trust. Give us uh, quickly the outcome that you've seen of a high-performing team. Why is it worth it? What's the ROI? So I worked with a team that's uh, one of the top suppliers of wine and spirits in the world. They had a very small team, 10 people, and they took the disc instrument and the motivator's instrument and they graphed, uh, each person had a different graph. What they did was they taped it to their door so any, and they knew how to read it. So anytime somebody walked in their door, they would go, oh, that's right. They knew enough about the graphs and the instrument to say, I've got to change my communication style. People started walking in others' offices getting that information, collaborating more in partnerships, and then they started to learn how to read their clients and their customers when they went out on the road. Different partnerships started to form, and what I understood in some of the big companies that I can't name, they uh, started to get into doors they were unable to get into, building better relationships, using the dynamics and the information that they understood, and building these relationships that are now long-term relationships, and guess what? For the first time in five years, they were meeting their budget and exceeding their budget numbers, and they were getting more meetings with their clients than they'd ever received before by partnering up, learning how to communicate with their clients. Mm, fantastic. He is Whit Mitchell, author of Working in Sync. You can find Whit's contact information in the show notes of this podcast episode. Whit, thanks so much for your time and these conversations. Wonderful to be here with you again, Dale. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.